Do you want me to play the intro music? Oh, yeah, yeah, play the intro music. Okay. <laughs> warm me up here. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Double Cuzzies, where two people who share 25% of their DNA and their entire extended families talk about life. So for this week's episode, we decided that we were going to have a dedicated discussion about the newly released Disney movie, Turning Red. For for our repeat listeners, you'll know that we did an episode on all things Disney movies and Disneyland, but at the time of recording that, Turning Red had not been released yet. So this is going to be a special deep dive just into that movie. I know that we we both rewatched this or watched this very, very yes, recently. So that way the time. Yeah, so that way the memory balls in our head are, are really fresh. <laughs> Gotta get fresh memory balls going. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the Disney episode, listen to I that one. Recommend you do that. Yes. Yeah. And then listen to all of the other episodes. (laughs) That would be great also. And then also, before you start listening to this episode, you should probably watch Turning Red. (laughs) That would probably be helpful. And uh, and then I would also recommend watching the the behind-the-scenes making-up special, because I think we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. So, Kalia, what were your initial thoughts? Did you like it? Did you hate it? You hated it, right? I'm sure. (laughs) Just, it it was so irrelevant to me. I just really didn't connect with it at all. I I really liked it. I watched it yesterday, so I feel like it's still kind of sinking in. <clears throat> and that was the first time I watched it. So I was pleasantly surprised because I didn't know when it would take place. But it turns out it was this girl turning 13 in 2002, which perfectly matches up with the timeline of pretty much our lives, exactly mm-hmm. in my life. So a lot of the themes with like the boy bands and the Tamagotchi and everything, and even just in the beginning where the friend gives her like a mixtape, <laughs> it just brought back a lot of childhood feels. And I think that was done really well. But overall, I I really liked it. It was very different than other Disney Pixar movies. And of course, it's been talked about because of some of the themes and because the director is the first Asian woman to direct a Disney Pixar movie or woman in general or just Asian woman. I'm not sure. Mm. We'll have to double check that later. Mm-hmm. Kaylee's hot take. That we'll Google later and confirm and edit, <laughs> and edit out if she's wrong. But I thought it was done really well. I kept thinking, like, who, what is the target audience for this mm-hmm. because of the subject matter? You know, I think it might be, like, we talked about in the Disney episode, which you should listen to if you haven't already. Like, will will small children understand the themes? Like, how what is kind of the threshold there? And I think... I might be getting too far ahead of myself, myself, my <laughs> multiple selves, but the themes in general were pretty, I mean, pretty universal to the experience of being a human growing up. And I you think, would think, yeah, hmm? I said, you would think there was, it was funny that there was some, there was some backlash when the movie exactly. was first released. There was one yep. reviewer or one review that went a little viral, I guess, and it criticized the movie that it because it the reviewer thought it was only for a specific audience and just I guess the themes and the story didn't resonate with this guy and I thought you know there's a lot of Chinese themes and in watching the making of kind of bonus on Disney plus 
the director and kind of the leadership team behind it was very clear that this is a movie about growing up and the character just happens to be Chinese. So I think to me that that story came out really, really strongly. And it's kind of just ridiculous to me that somebody would criticize it for being so specific. You know, yeah. just like take yourself out of it and look at it for what it is. And, you know, even if it's not for you, then whatever. Like it's not, not for you. Not everything has to be for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like this podcast. It's probably not for you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it was just it, that that review that came out that it, the critique of it being so specific to Domi's the director's experience and how that it was so limiting of like it must have been just made for her circle of friends and otherwise nobody would understand it and and that also if that even if that was the case that there's anything inherently wrong with that yeah that's you know so fun. yeah and and it's like we've come to this point where like, I don't want all of these Disney movies to just be universally appealing. I want the, the themes of being a human and growing up are always going to be prevalent in those movies. But mm-hmm. setting it in something that's so specific and so filled out, culturally speaking, makes it a lot more interesting, I feel like, than, than just if we say, oh, it's Moana and she's vaguely Polynesian. It's not tied mm-hmm. to a specific ethnicity, you know? And so I think that I understand what drives that of when Disney was sort of coming into this new phase, right, of more diverse programming, it's like you kind of have to have these incremental steps of, okay, well, it's not going to necessarily represent, you know, the Samoan experience or the Tongan experience, but there's nothing even out there for anything. And so something vaguely Polynesian, that is still a step forward. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is like, this is very, very specific. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that like, I'm going to feel biased being in that very specific demographic of people that would relate to this on a lot of other levels. But even if I wasn't, I think that it would have been a great, a great movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, to your question of like whether young kids will really understand it or, or um, be receptive to it, you know, from what I've heard, like a lot of, a lot of parents, like their young kids really love the movie. My kids have not quite gotten hooked on it yet. My my older kid is a little bit scared of the red panda actually. (laughs) And and yeah. And, but I think that whether or not kids understand the themes of it, I think that it's, you know, the the music's really catchy. Mm -hmm. The animation is really enticing too, and and done in a different kind of way than a lot of other Disney movies to date. So I think that was Mm -hmm. just visually, the movie was very appealing too. Yeah. The animation definitely stood out to me because even though there's so many movies in the Disney Pixar universe, like the people just look different. It's, there's a lot of there's a lot of character to it that, you know, I'm not used to seeing and in other Disney movies, just in terms of like the diversity of the characters mm-hmm. and where it takes place and what they look like, like what their bodies are like and what their face shape is like. I thought that was really, really enjoyable to watch and, and to see kind of these types of movies and this type of animation evolve in that way, just to be different. It's not just the princess with the big eyes and the big features <laughs> and it kind of like, Looks like diversity in actual people. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because this one, this movie, you know, has so many direct references to anime, right? And and so that style of drawing and animation is is definitely seen. But I think it's so ironic that 
the traditional or not traditional, but I guess like the Disney princesses up until now, like you said, those big eyes, it's very like Sailor Moony type feeling, mm. like hyper feminine, hyper cutesy. And, and a lot of that is present in anime, but this one didn't feel like that part of anime at all. Mm. And so I think it was also kind of showing that it's like, there's this broader category of art and genre within like anime that it's not just this like hyper sexualized hyper feminized mm-hmm. you know women and so I really appreciated that too mm-hmm. yeah I love that creative approach to it and when we're talking about the characters when I was watching I think I first noticed on the father Mamie's father in the movie he has moles on his face mm-hmm. and I just noticed like I've never noticed that with any other animated movie characters especially Disney Pixar I don't know if this is the first time, but I just kind of laughed at that and appreciated that because I was like, that looks like myself and people in my family. And then in the making of, they pointed that out as a very deliberate thing. You know, there is a few, in addition to the director, a few Asian women who are on the leadership team and they're kind of just pointing out their own uh, physical quirks to work into the characters. So, you know, it was more representative of what they actually looked and felt like. So. Mm I really appreciated that. And it wasn't just, you know, like cookie cutter characters. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the behind the scenes, the making of special too, like when you learn that it's an, it's a completely female leadership, creative leadership team. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can, you can see that, you know, because the characters are not drawn to be gorgeous or beautiful or, you know, in any way it's like sexualized. And so I think that that, that really speaks to, it's like, especially that time, that age of girlhood at 13, it's like, you're, you're so innocent, you know? And, and I think that that, that awkwardness of like, they're, they're getting interested in boys and that part of themselves is like awakening, but they are still children, you know? Do you remember what you were like at that age? A, a little bit. I'm sure that I've here. tried to forget. <laughs> I think uh, that stage of life, like that show Pen15, oh my God, <laughs> it's like painfully accurate. And so <laughs> Pen15 is like the PG-13 slash, no, nah, yeah, PG-13, maybe, maybe R-rated, just a yeah. TVMA. It's TVMA, a uh, real life version of Turning Red, essentially. Mm. But uh, I think that you know, it, watching it, it feels like it's so overly dramatized and it's like, well, I don't, I don't remember it being like that. But then mm-hmm. I told you the other day, like, I found my journal from around that time of life and I was <laughs> reading through it and I was like, oh, shit, sometime it do be like that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like, wow, it kind of was like that. I think maybe with enough space from it and enough time from it, you know, I, I didn't think that I was going through such an emotionally tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. because I made it through that, I guess. And I you don't... don't really know what's happening at that time. Yeah. I mean, you might, but I think with anything like even present day hormone related, like whether I'm PMSing or something, it's like, this is a different person. Yes. <laughs> it just yes. feels like I, I can't even describe it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And so I think like I was, I was definitely like May May in a lot of ways mm-hmm. too of, very overachieving, you know, in band, like trying to get perfect grades, all of that. And then, you know, having friends on the uh, who I think were driven kind of the same way too. So that was a little bit different where it wasn't this conflict of like, oh, Emily's off doing her own thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was like we were all very, you know, in, into academics and all of that. And we were all very good kids. 
I definitely think that I don't relate so much and like I never felt mistrust from my parents though at that age. Mm. You know, where like Maylin feels like, you know, she even says that we all we do is we do everything right and mm-hmm. we're good kids and they don't trust us. And so what's the point? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I never really felt that like I never really yeah. felt like that it was it was I was doing it to buy favors in any way or that mm-hmm. it was like to prove to my parents that they could trust yeah. me. Like I, I didn't feel that. I think that part of the movie may have I, I didn't feel that way either, but in watching the making of special and seeing as how the director and some of the team were first generation mm-hmm. Asian are, uh, I guess the director grew up in Canada and I think that their girl is Asian American, but yeah, I think some of those maybe feelings and themes of having to do anything or everything just to like serve the legacy of your family in such a deep way mm-hmm. is I think are maybe more uniquely to first gen. Yeah. Um, so I guess this phase of Disney movies is just all going to be about generational trauma, <laughs> which actually a lot of Disney movies are about generational yeah. trauma. I think these are just a lot more explicitly about dealing with generational mm. trauma and Canto mm-hmm. and turning red, enter- mm-hmm. entering a new phase. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, were, what were you like at that age? I think similar to you, I just kind of blocked out <laughs> that part of my life. I don't, I really don't remember an awful lot of it. I think, you know, if I'm just reflecting quickly back on it, it did feel like a little bit confusing because it's like what's happening to my body and all my friends and like, should I be changing in this way or should I be this or that? So I think just kind of a hyper awareness of, for me, like my physical being, um, because of all of the emotional changes, uh, but I didn't ever really connect it back to emotional changes. So definitely just like, you know, a little bit of figuring yourself out. I was more of a quiet teenager, I think, especially compared to people in my friend group. So I didn't relate to Maylin in that way. But yeah, I mostly blacked out so I don't have a ton <laughs> off and I haven't found my my diary from you, that time you shoved your panda into your jade pendant yes and you are now just starting to crack it open a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well I think throughout my life I've been a pretty easygoing person and I feel like I, I, I was that way when I was young mm-hmm. too and then also when I was young I didn't really have the tools or the knowledge or language to really be able to process my emotions. So, you know, that definitely changed maybe how I went through that time of my life. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the interesting part, right? About that. We, and we should talk about like, what do we, what does the red panda sort of represent too? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that it, it represents a lot of different things, but I think that it was the, the movie was interesting in the sense that it approaches it of like, it, if it's, if it's all of these, not even negative emotions, but big emotions, mm-hmm. right? And it's about learning to control it, then actually learning how to process it and leverage that as part of yourself as opposed to repressing it. Bottling it up. Right. Yeah. Like putting it into a pendant mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to like just admitting that it's part of you. Mm-hmm. And so to move forward with that as part of you. And I mean, they talked like very overtly about it too like I think when the dad says you know when he, when he discovers the video that May and her friends made mm, and I it's like part. a part that he hasn't seen of her and it's like mm-hmm. it's not about taking the bad stuff 
and shoving it away. It's about making room for it. And when I saw that part, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember actually that I was very much like Mei Lin at that age because I was doing the same kind of thing, like making stupid, funny videos with mm-hmm. my friends for nobody to look at, though. And I'm like, mm-hmm. where are those yeah. now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I think it's kind of like to, re- to retain that part and to not just grow mm-hmm. up, right? And to like just be like, oh, well, that's silly. I don't want to, you know, I, sh- mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to be the good daughter or I need to you know, study and that's all you can do. And so I think like it, it represents, you know, that sort of irreverent side where Mm -hmm. that it's like, as you grow up, you kind of, you lose some of that unless you really Mm. are conscious about it. And yeah, I mean, I just, we should talk about the depiction of the the dad character. And I think the parents overall too, because I think that Disney also has a long history of pretty bad parental figures <laughs> or very, very tragic relationships or situations with parents. And I think that this was also one where it's like, yes, the parental relationship between Maylin and her mother is complicated, but there's no doubt that she loves her. And with the father, it's just like, he's just always been very supportive. You know, you can, you can tell him kind of trying to stand up to his wife, but, but yeah, there was no doubt that it's like she had the support to be, to be who she wanted to be. From that side. Mm-hmm. So what did you think the panda represented? Oh, I think similar to you, it's like, um, you know, dealing with this change and this feeling and the fact that Malin, spoiler alert, decided to keep that part of her. It's like, mm-hmm. it was a theme of, and maybe this is just watching it as an adult and kind of where my mind is lately. But a theme of, you know, not repressing that and learning to to work with that as a part of you rather than mm-hmm. putting it away because it's uncomfortable or it's hard to deal with. So, yeah, kind of just like a bigger shift in that realization. And, you know, I appreciated that that part of the story of of Malin, you know, accepting that and loving that part of herself. Mm-hmm. Too. And I think that came across too in, in her friend group. You know, all of them had their own quirks. And mm-hmm. there were some times in the movie where the mother would, you know, refer to the friends like she says Miriam is really odd or like the the kid who works at the convenience store is sketchy with <laughs> yeah. like no context yep. at all. And for me, it's like whether you, you turn into a panda or have these little quirks about you or into this thing that's not super, you know, popular or your parents don't understand, like just accept that as part of you and accept that as part of other people rather than trying to judge them mm-hmm. for that. And, so, and finding your people, finding those people yes. who will accept you. Yes. Yeah. For your panda and your non-panda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably completely overanalyzing this. But the fact that the panda was seeing was seen as a blessing and a source of strength mm-hmm. back when they lived in China. Mm-hmm. And that it was only when coming to this new world that it became an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about, like, well, what does that mean exactly? What would it represent that would have been a source of strength and power in their homeland but as they've immigrated into this, you know, sort of foreign country of Canada or America, that it's become an inconvenience. And so then it's kind of like, is this a story of breaking out of those Western restrictions of like getting back to what made our ancestors strong and connecting to that culture and that part of us and just rejecting any sort of restrictions that like Western society has put on us? 
it's because I was thinking about it. I was like, it's not necessarily big emotions because it's like all the female characters in the movie are very strong, very mm-hmm. heavy, confident. So it's not a confidence thing. But it's sort of like if you are doing anything out of lines of being a good student, being a good girl, you know, being mm-hmm. being obedient to your parents, mm-hmm. then it's like that's sort of what it when it it comes out. Mm-hmm. So when it so yeah, flared up. Yes. <laughs> so that was my spiral that I went on yeah. this morning as I was watching. Interesting. It. Like, yeah, as she wanted to, and mm-hmm. and breaking that mold of what her parents thought she should be or what even she thought she should be mm-hmm. at times what the intention was of the director after watching the making this making of again that it represents like all of those messy parts of you mm-hmm. you know that that sometimes it's people think that it's easier to just not talk about or to not really lean in or embrace but actually doing that is more harmful mm-hmm. you know and so I, I think that it's like it's not it's not her sexuality. It's not her sense of creativity. It's not her sense of joy. It's all of it. And it's whatever is inconvenient to whatever situation that you're in. And I think about it, too, of, like, when the her grandmother, right, she's saying that it's, like, the, and, and sort of looking at the difference between her grandmother's generation, her mother's generation, and then her generation, that there are other opportunities. Society is different also mm-hmm. than what, the, what those generations experience. Yeah. And so it's, again, it's that generational trauma of like what was really inconvenient and maybe dangerous for the grandmother's generation to really embrace is not so much anymore for mm-hmm. Maylin. And so she's trying to navigate like, how do I actually take this part of me, this part of my family, and really love it and celebrate mm-hmm. it as opposed to like, Oh, I'm just going to be like everybody else. I'm just going to I'm going to do what's expected of me. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at like their family temple at the end of it, and it's like doing better than ever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like yeah, it's that next generation taking their family business and bringing it into the next era. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen actual businesses like that, like Asian and Asian American led businesses that are coming from like like very traditional you know business style and it's like the next generation or the next generation is starting their mm-hmm. own and it's just so cool to see so yeah Maylin is so much in this movie you know she turns out to be a entrepreneurial <laughs> businesswoman <laughs> oh man it was so funny in, in the, the Asian moms group that I'm in somebody was saying that like they really didn't like turning red actually and that that like Maylin was like embarrassed and embarrassed or something like that. And then everybody was getting on her case of just like, wow, you, I think you might've missed the point of the movie, but, but you're taking but, this a little too personally yeah, maybe. But that like, she was like lying and that she was like, you know, taking these kids money at school and everything like that. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, Maylin had a goal of going to a concert with her friends. And in order to get the money to do that, they raised like $800 in 2002 over the span of like two weeks. I'm like impressed because that is like boss girl behavior and that that I would encourage that in my kids. And I was like, also, I, I would take I would have taken her to the concert like I would have gone to the concert with her. So I'm not really understanding that part of it. But it is kind of funny. It's like, yeah, you want your kids to be smart, but what kind mm-hmm. of smart that turns out to be like you can't really control it you should just so really subjective. yeah you should just help them think about how do they leverage it so you know yeah. Maylin's a total boss now <laughs> she totally is I yeah she does evolve in her bosshood in that movie totally yeah I do love though that she was never never meek 
to, to even start out. Mm. It wasn't like this, like, she's coming into her own of, like, she's being confident. It's like, no, she was always very confident. <laughs> she's always like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from the intro throughout the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. She's always like this. I could, I could see a lot of my weird, quirky self, overconfident self as well <laughs> at that age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can probably, I can see my kids being like that, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting and something that kind of resonated with me. I picked up on on like subtle things that parents would say like kind of in the beginning when she's making dumplings with her mom and she passes the tray to her dad and they like zoom in on one he says oh that one's perfect Mm -hmm. and it was one that she made and there's always this kind of I mean this expectation of being what the parents wanted her to be and in the end she says to her mom when the panda scenario is going on she says I know that to her mom, Malin says, I know you have, you feel like you have to be perfect all the time, but it's not true. And to me, the emphasis on feeling like you have to be this way and the fact that the daughter is kind of, you know, she's recognized this and is passing this on to her mom. And because of all the things she had seen from her grandma and her aunts and everything in this total experience throughout the whole movie, that really just kind of Yeah, that one resonated with me because it's like you can fabricate these feelings for yourself and it may be influenced by your household or your friends or whatever or clear expectations that people express to you or not or things that are going on in your head. But, you know, it's I thought it was interesting that, you know, Malin pulled back and express that to her mother because it's obviously something that she was facing and and when she decided to accept herself she realized you know I don't have to be this way I can I can be just this person I want to be and it doesn't mean it's imperfections it's just who I am Mm -hmm. so I love that little line and it was just a sweet moment because I think throughout the whole movie like there were these little moments where it's like she has to be this way I mean that was was the whole movie but that line was just really sweet to me. Yeah. And I think, like, in that moment, too, you can see it on her face. And it's like the animation of it is fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. That you can see her realizing that for herself and then saying that to her mom. And, like, that's mm-hmm. an incredible thing. And I think, like, at, that, at the ending of that movie, too, spoiler alert, when, you know, all of the women... <laughs> we're just going to drop spoiler alert in the middle of all this. It's like, we've already told you, you need to watch this before you listen to this. But <laughs> when all of the other women in her family were going back through, right, and, and getting rid of their pandas again and entering the, the world again, and, and her mom walked through, and a part of me was, like, so sad that it's like, no, like haven't you learned anything like yeah keep it and and that but the it was, mom's panda was crazy the, though yes the, <laughs> the mom needs to go to therapy a little bit before she lets the panda back out maybe be a little bit smaller then but then i realized that it's like no you know it's it's not for everybody too mm-hmm. that like the mom is not ready or interested to to do what maylin is about to do and that's fine mm-hmm. you can be your own person you can be your own panda yes yes all right. Um, Should we play Panda by Designer as the outro to this episode? No, because then we'll have to pay for it or get sued probably. So we'll just say it. We'll just go Panda. 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 My kids love that song. I think all, all kids love that song, right? Designer is for babies, right? That's what it's supposed to be. It's like you yeah, put on a designer music song. Is for babies, Oh, totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that was a good discussion. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you've made it this far and haven't seen the movie, what's wrong with you? Made it this far. But also, it's the movie's an hour and a half. The making of is like forty nine minutes. It's it's well worth the watch. Yes. If you spent this much time listening to us talk about this piece of art, you should just go and actually watch it. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm kind of sad it wasn't released in theaters. I know movie theaters yeah. are kind of crazy right now, but I feel like that was just kind of a disservice because Encanto got time on the big screen, but I feel yeah. like this movie should too. That was kind of a big letdown too, and I think that I think the. A lot of people in the AAPI community were disappointed because it's like, how come we don't get to celebrate the moment, mm. you know? So, mm-hmm. but we celebrated it, I guess, by streaming it like crazy and it yeah. broke a bunch of records. So, oh yeah. Yeah. I was in Portugal. When did it come out? Mar- like March 11th or something? Yeah, that's right. But I think I, I was in, where was I? Lisbon that week and there were posters for it all mm. over i was so surprised so truly disney put global marketing dollars behind it. yeah what i mean shang chi and turning red really really big dollars so mm. yeah asians will spend to see ourselves on the screens <laughs> listen up people <laughs> we want to see it we want to hear it <laughs> So, so yeah, go go watch Turning Red and then go watch Embracing the Panda afterwards. Yes. Okay. So that's that's it for this week's episode. Till next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzies, where we're cousins and friends, but most importantly, we're family. Bye. Bye. <laughs>